you know, every time that we're given trust that we can do something before we actually do it, it's actually very, very scary, right? If I bring myself back to the first time I was on stage, you know, facilitating a startup weekend, I was so nervous. And then I don't know, like, if I will do well, I don't know what are people's expectations, things that in their heads that I can't control, but then, and I also cannot control my feeling. And then also I, I remember um, in, in the early days when I just joined UNDP and everyone was like commenting, oh, she's from this world of startup. Uh, she's having this and that experience. So she can do this and that's very, very well. So all these expectations is very, very heavy and it's very, very scary. Right. And, and I think before we finish it, we will always carry this fear. We'll always feel like we're not ready enough. We're always fear that we, we didn't consider everything well or didn't prepare enough. But then things will change the moment everything finishes. It's like, oh, it's actually not that scary. It's not as complicated as I thought. Uh, I can actually do it. And I think all this transformative experience in our, in our head, that's where we know that it's not really that scary and we can actually do it. So I think a lot of movers actually share this with us that, you know, after the first workshop, they realize that, oh, they can actually do it. They can speak in front of a lot of people. It's actually not that scary. And all this fear in our heads automatically go away. Hello everyone, my name is Dean Long and welcome to the podcast Lifeline. In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or any platform that you are using. And also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. Today's episode is very special. It was first recorded live for the first Lifeline Live ever. So thanks everyone again who participated and no worries if you missed it, there will be more. Also, it's special because we welcome back Linka who was our first amazing guest a few months ago because there were still so many things to speak about with her. So today you will hear about her experience at UNDP and scaling the Movers program to empower 11,000 youth in Asia Pacific and also her journey co-founding Storius, a travel tech startup aiming at reinventing the way we travel. In her first episode, she was speaking about how she wants to be a dose of inspiration for other people and her mission to spread kindness. In today's episode, we come back to her philosophy around kindness and how it shapes her relationships with other people. Finally, she shares with us her new daily routine to check whether she has learned something new, whether she's taking care of her mental health, and of course, whether she has been kind to other people. Enjoy part two of the conversation with Linka and see you in two hours. So happy to announce the first Lifeline Live with Linka Lynn, so hashtag LLLLL. It was not on purpose. I think it's just a sign of the universe. Oh, we have someone already. Oh, okay. We have, oh, oh we wow. have uh, Ngan. Oh, so cool. Hi, Ngan. Okay, we can. Hello, Xin Chao. Perfect. Xin Chao. Cool. 
Um, so yeah, so it will be, I think, like our conversation in September. We'll just have some random comments popping up from time to time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sachi. Konnichiwa. Hi, Sachi. Cool. So yeah, I think your first episode was amazing. So many people keep speaking about it. So everyone is asking for a second part. And yeah, I think just to kickstart, um, I, I'm thinking what to do because in, you know, in the offline episode, there, there is an introduction, there is me speaking, all this stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe I can do that also just to explain a bit. I think everyone knows what is Lifeline, but maybe. Just to explain in one sentence, um, yeah, Lifeline is a podcast to interview amazing people like Linka from all around the world and really trying to understand where they come from, what is uh, their personal journey, what is the small steps that brought them to what they are doing, what they do today, and understanding what is the impact that they want to have in the future. And yeah, Linka was the first episode ever. And See, she has such a long and inspiring journey that we didn't manage to cover everything. And back then, I was just limiting myself to one hour. Today, sky is the limit. Well, I know you have a meeting <laughs> in a few hours. Um, but yeah, uh, I think maybe just to kick start, um, I have one challenge for you, Linka. If you could introduce yourself, not in the same way as last time, and you are not allowed to speak about movers, stories. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, um, all right. That's a very, very difficult one because, you know, um, probably those of you who know me from the first episode and also those who are listening to the second one. And by the way, you have not yet listened to my first episode, highly recommend. And just want to say hi to Shati, to Pam. Welcome to this uh, first live. So um, to introduce the reason why I think it's so hard to introduce myself, you know, not talking about movers, not talking about stories, um, and very, very different from how I introduced myself in the very first episode. It's because I do see all those things are part of who I am. They are very, very important uh, identities of me. So, um, you know, I, I actually have this question to myself um, when start started you know working in youth collab you know because that's something that i've been always doing um you know voluntarily when i before i joined youth collab right i was um a community builder in startup weekend a lot of startup activities in hong kong i was working in ice uh, a social enterprise i was um a, I, I, you know i was part of isag i started uh, a youth development organization so all these things uh came together in youth collab so then there was actually an identity crisis, um, you know, during that time. So who am I apart from my work? Uh, so, so, so I think that this question, I really like to think about again, who am I without stories, without movers? So who am I as a person, right? A lot of people, uh, when they try to describe, when they try to introduce themselves, many of them think about their nationality, they think about, you know, community, they have a sense of belonging to. Um, and I think that's, um, that's because, you know, some sometimes 
when we have something, some of when we think about our personal identity, when we think about you know we are not having not having very strong personal label, we want to attach to something bigger, right? Um, so, 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 so. But then throughout my whole journey, I feel like I am Linka. I am just myself. Um, I don't need to attach to some mention, you know, where I'm come from. I don't need to mention about, you know, um, the organizations I'm working on. I just need to tell everyone I'm Linka and that's, that's who I am. And I am so many things combining together. So specifically about, you know, if we're removing uh, a large chunk of stories and movers away <laughs> from this, um, uh, label of Linka, I would say that I am a person who really enjoy absorbing and understanding uh, knowledge, um, a lot of um, thing, knowledge and understanding human and um, bringing and, and helping people to see things with different perspectives um, and also living a very positive life uh, through trying different things, through, um, you know, making myself healthy, making my mind healthy, making my body healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Linka, for the great intro. I think it went beyond my expectations. But I think, yeah, it's a, I think it's a very good point. Like when we introduce ourselves, like we tend to link it to something bigger than us. So like where we study, where we work. And I think for Lifeline, you know, we have time. Usually we do that in society or in events because we don't have time, you know, like we have one second to introduce ourselves. So we're like, okay, easy version is, yeah, I work at UNDP. Yeah, don't ask me any question. But here, yeah, it's really, <laughs> we have time to discover who is Linka. And, um, and yeah, I think everyone is excited on the chat. And, um, yeah, I think I, I mean, again, on this question, I, I love asking this kind of, I mean, it's a new way that we both use, you know, in our meetings, like introduce yourself. You're not allowed to speak about work for one minute, about climate for one minute. And if it's so difficult, even me, I try to do it. Um, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm Dean Long at work at UNDP. So yeah, it's so difficult. So thank you for playing along. Um, Okay. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, no worries. I was just monologuing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Actually, I wasn't sure if it was me or you. So I was like, okay, I'm monologuing. I'm not sure if I did that here. Um, and yeah, and while before I jump into the next question, I just wonder. We have a few people here. One, the last question I ask at every episode is if you could describe yourself in three hashtags. But this time, since it's live and we have people, let me ask. People uh, in the chat. For I think everyone knows Linka so far from what I see, or everyone at least heard the episode of Linka. Could you share how how would you describe Linka in three hashtags? So please comment, and then we'll have Linka comment live on this. I've had a beautiful banner here. Um, but yeah, before yeah, I, I just wonder. So you listen to uh, yourself. I listened again to the first episode. What did you think and what else would you like to speak about today that we didn't cover on the first episode? 
Ah, right. So I think the first,、uh, first of all, I really want to say that I really like、uh, the the tagline of Lifeline, like our life is our messages.、Um, so I think it's a really Actually, a reflective questions of you know if you're living a life and living a message to other people, what exactly is your message to other people, right? So,、um, and then that linked to、um, the first episode that I had with you,、um, and I think at that time I was reflecting a lot of kindness, and、um, and I would say that. Now my message will be so. At that time, it was about just being kind, being、um, you know, being non-judgmental. But I think now I want to expand it to three keywords, and I try to think about how to if if there's one keyword can actually represent the other. But actually, it's really really hard. And I think these three keywords are equally important to me. And these three keywords.、Uh, so first of all, is still the kindness. Secondly, is actually humble. And then the third one is、uh, brave. I think these three words,、um, for example,、um, humble for me represents being open up, being curious, being you know, knowing that we don't know everything. So,、um, and brave means that acknowledge our vulnerability,、uh, acknowledge our you know we're not perfect, or acknowledge that sometimes we need to stand up and.、Uh, Speak about our you know our feeling or a pushback and set out boundary. And kindness is about you know being、uh, still being unjudgmental, the same as the first episode.、Um, being you know trying to put ourselves into shoes of other people.、Um, and and I think、um, since last time our our our、um, the first episode,、uh, my understanding of kindness、um, has a lot another level because you know. Um, just asking ourselves to be kind. I feel like it's a one way of conversation, and and if I can just to push a little bit more of you know being kind, it shouldn't be just one person being kind to the other. It should be mutual. Kindness should be a mutual、uh, act, and to to bring that into a very mutual conversation is that be brave enough to tell the other person that. Um, you know, to give feedback that they are not being kind, and、um, what is our、uh, what's what's our expectations, and what is our feeling, right? So, so I think kind one sided kindness is also not enough.、Um, so yeah, we can elaborate a little bit about the three hashtags, and also you know uh, my uh, deeper understanding of of kindness as well. Is that? You know that what, what like kindness is not a one-sided thing. Is it something you realized since September, or it's always the message you carried, but somehow you didn't speak about it last time?、Um, I think it's.、Um, I think it's. It's 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 something that I realized more after、uh, after last September,、um, and actually, I think so. You know, in last September, because it was you know、um, in in not in the well, not exactly in the beginning of, of COVID, but still a lot of people are still adjusting and still trying to understand what's going on and trying to understand our feeling and stuff. So, and I think at that time I didn't really understand the interactions of you know the kindness, right? So being Being kind to other people, you know, being、uh, you know empathetic, trying to understand other people's perspective, 
is not enough. Uh, and I think being kind shouldn't be just stop there. Um, it's also about uh, sharing what do you think, uh, sharing about um, if you really really kind, if you really care about the other person, give the person, um, you know, a fair feedback, give them an opportunity to improve, uh, let them know what's your true feeling, and uh, and then make the kindness a two-way, uh, you know, two-way interactions. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think you go like beyond kindness and you say, If you are really kind, so you really care about the other person, so you are like you are honest with them, you are transparent with them, and being kind also implies being uh, brave, speaking out, being humble. Um, so yeah, no, super interesting. And just to come back on okay, some of the hashtag, I think you've been reading them as well. But from yeah. Shati, hi Shati, we have positive leader supporter. From Sachi, we have flower <laughs> emphasizer, super curious. From uh, Ngan, we have openness, wholesomeness, influence. And from Melanie, philosophical, resourceful, can do plank for five minutes. So do you agree with everything? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I really like everyone's answer and uh so far i think all of them are uh quite positive and yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty satisfied so so yeah that's good cool and um yeah and and another general question to kickstart this and then we'll go deeper into every aspect but Could you share maybe, yeah, what are the main highlights in your life since September? I mean, there's so many, but if you had, you know, to reflect back, so that's six, no, no, eight months. So if you have to reflect back on the last eight months, what would be the main highlights? Right. Um, so I, I think, um, My recent, it, it's it's actually from my very recent memory. Okay, so actually there are two things. Um, you know that I am a workaholic and it's really, really hard for me to um, uh, to pause and just to to relax and really do things, um, just just lie down and watch Netflix. So I've been managed to do that um, for a while and I think I've regained a lot of um, energy uh, for doing things that uh, just that I don't usually do and so that's like very very for me personally that's my highlight uh, very recently and another thing is that um, uh, I have been in Bangkok since September right but I managed to uh, Uh, when on, I managed to go on a trip in Konkan uh, last month. I'm very, very proud of myself. Uh, and I met a very amazing girl, Sachi. So we were connected by a friend's friend. And then the most amazing thing is that uh, my friend met her in a random cafe in Okinawa. So, and then she connected me with Sachi and, uh, and I, we spoke a bit and I feel like, okay, so let's see. Uh, Let me just take, um, so it was on, I think it was um, 
on a Sunday, Saturday, and I told and I met Sachi online, and I told her, oh, how is Konkin? Like maybe I can just pay a visit uh, to you, and then. And then I think on that on the weekend I booked the flight、uh, and then I just flew to Konkan and spent the most amazing weekend、uh, living with locals, trying to understand how they grow their food, make their own wine or、uh, ferment their pick,、um, pickles, and also visited the market and really. Learn a lot from local people. Understand their perspective of life.、Um, you know, what do they think about the situation in Thailand? And the very interesting thing is that、uh, we stay with a、um, a person who has abundant knowledge of chemistry. So he taught us of a lot of indigo dyeing. But then at the same time,、um, he would、um, you know like. Construct his home into different places for workshop and and whenever、uh, I remember that you know when it was super super hot during the day he will make his artificial rain to cool down the temperature so everything that he does in his farm in his family、uh, he will always try to explain to us in a scientific way so that's something I never expect to you know when I went to a village. Uh, in in Thailand, a person will try to explain his daily life with science. So yeah, that's one of the the most amazing highlights. Cool, and I think Sachi is <laughs> super happy to hear that she's been trying to to write a sentence, <laughs> and now she's so <laughs> overwhelmed with happiness.、Um, okay, so I think yeah, I, it reminds me of a conversation we had. When we mention about doing unproductive thing, so I guess you refer to that,、uh, what, like to、uh, like to balance a bit your workaholicness, and、mm-hmm. and yeah, conking is so nice. I think yeah, just a message for Sachi. Imagine over the last seven months, the main highlight that she speaks about is a trip to Konkin.、Uh, so congrats! Yeah, she was speaking about it. The whole way, she still keeps speaking about it. So yeah, I think it was such a.、Um, I mean, thank you, Sachi, for taking care of Linka during that weekend. And、um, yeah, I think I mean we've been speaking a bit about your philosophy, and so just to okay dive deeper into one of the aspects. So let's start with the movers program.、Um, I mean, from my perspective, Movers is also a great platform. You know, beyond everything that we do for, I mean, us and you to also, you know,、um, share a bit about your philosophy, philosophy about kindness, me about social gardening, but it's similar in some ways.、Uh, but maybe for those who don't know, could you maybe re-explain what is Movers program in your own words, and also why do you think it's important? And I add a third question. How do you relate the mission of Movers Program to your own experience, to your own journey? Right. Yeah. So,、um, in my own words,、um, so、of course, if you、um, search Movers Program, and which is highly recommended,、uh, you can go to、um, Youth Collab. dot org slash movers、uh, where you can find this official description of movers. But for me, movers in my own words are related to trust. I related to th- th-、uh, th- thinking about future. So、um, let me break it down.、Um, so let's start with trust, right?、Um, and I think 
a lot of young people, a lot of you are listening. Um, a lot of them are movers, actually, and a lot of them who are not yet um, uh, movers. <laughs> so maybe these scenarios and situations that you will be able to relate is that you know when you want to, when, when there is an opportunity in front of you, and you feel like you want to prove yourself that you can. Uh, take this opportunity. It could be a job opportunity, or you know that uh, opportunity to work on a project, um, or any any opportunity, right? That you feel like you want to grab it. Uh, but then at the same time, in order to do that, you need to prove yourself, right? But then it comes a chicken and egg question. Um, if you don't have experience. How can you prove yourself in order to get that opportunity? But at the same time, you need this opportunity to gain to gain more experience in order to prove yourself, right? So, um, so I think for Movers Program, we really trust. We put trust first. We trust everyone can. Uh, you know, can can organize the online workshop, can facilitate, uh, can uh, bring people together, can work like a team, and can bring impact to um, to people in your community, right? So I think, um, in my words, Movers Program is to make you to make young people not to be put into this dilemma of chicken and egg question uh, situation that you don't need to think about, you know. Um, which opportunity to go first, or how do you prove yourself? The it's the movers program is there, so you can do something in the movers program to build um, your experience. So next time when you when there's opportunity coming up, uh, you can say that I've brought movers community, uh, you know, the training of, for example, gender equality, climate change, SDGs, or leadership, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to my community and impacted. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people, and that's that proves that I'm a person with commitment, a proof person with I can take actions, and I am a good team player. I, I I can I speak well. I can you know bring my message to 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 many people, right? So 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 that's movers program in my work in in my my view in terms of trust. And the second one is related to our thought of future, right? I think um, when we are uh, at this, I mean, not we, uh, I'm already at maybe sometimes, uh, most of the time, 10 years young, older than a lot of movers, community members. But I always, um, remind myself, you know, how, what did I feel when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20? And, uh, what did I wish for when I was at that age? How do I see my future? And so, and I think, uh, you know, a movers program is a place where we can, uh, we don't just focus on what is happening right now. We also think about our future together, right? Re uh, regardless is our uh, training on, you know, uh, developing our entrepreneurial mindset or leadership skills or, you know, talking about, again, gender equality, climate change, SDGs. All those things are related to our future, right? So I think uh, movers is a program that really Put ourselves um, <clears throat> to develop ourselves into into future, and also to reflect a bit about what is happening right now. How can we take actions right now so our future will be slightly better? So trust and uh, future oriented. So uh, yeah, I, I, I can see a lot of shout outs yeah. of movers. Yes. <laughs> a lot of shout out and a lot of 
and more 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 hashtag combination so we have inspiring energetic power girl inspiring beautiful and lively so i agree as well oh we have sunshine hopeful and giver first and yes keep them coming and no and to come back on what you said i think it's super interesting because you mentioned trust and like future thinking which are like two key topics from i mean in, in your life right because I'm thinking when you mentioned you were in Hong Kong studying your master's, you were not sure what you will do in the future. And actually you met randomly Freddie. So he's also one of the co-founder of Storius. So everything is linked and we'll come back to that. But I, I remember you told him, you, I mean, he, he was, I don't know, facilitating a speaker at an event or something like this. And you came to him, you said, hey, bro. You didn't say hey, bro, but <laughs> Hi, sir. Uh, you are so inspiring. I want to support. I can volunteer. Let me know how I can I help. And you know, he could have asked, "What's your experience? What do you know? What to like? Who are you? Uh, what's your CV, etc." But he just gave you trust, so you could do things and prove yourself that you could do something. And yeah, he gave you this hand, and he gave you trust. And so this doesn't come out of anywhere it comes from your mm -hmm. own experience in hong kong where someone gave you trust which empowered you down the road and future thinking again i mean not to recap all the first episode but yeah it's <laughs> i mean we spoke a lot about it you always managed to you know think 10 years ahead 20 years ahead three days ahead i mean always ahead so yeah just i mean for me it's interesting to see like like we we look at movers um, and, I don't know, be, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, it really comes down to your own personal experience that you discovered and you try to give the shortcuts to other young people as well. Um, so, you know, I think it's super, super cool. And uh, yeah, good that you put words on that. And maybe just... Uh, Another question about movers, um, but okay. So, quick question: Do you do you know? So, for everyone's information, two numbers that we look at all the time is the number of participants reached and number of workshops. Do you remember in September how many participants did we reach in total with the movers workshop? <laughs> um, I would guess because we reached. Um, 5,000 in December, right? Um, or 6,000. Um, I think in September, most likely we reach 3,000. Yes, exactly. So 3,000. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 3,000 and right now it's around 11,000. So Ooh. since we first speak, I mean, it has grown three, four times. So yeah, just thinking about it. What would you say, like, I mean, we celebrate small victories every day. And I wonder, mm -hmm. like, what is your, I don't know, proudest moment ever since September of seeing the growth of movers, not only in terms of number, of course, but in terms of, you know, everyone who's commenting, everyone who shows support, etc. What will be your main yeah, thing that you're super? We're proud about movers that you want to share. Mm, I think there are many times, um, you know, when 
Well, there are a lot of stories. Um, so the proudest, um, well, there's no rank of the proud stories, um, but I think a few of them. So the first one is, uh, you know, that we have Lamea spoke uh, at the uh, closing remark of, uh, you know, regional climate promise dialogue. And um, a lot of people didn't see because it was webinar. So you won't see our face. But as a panelist, we were there. And um, and I couldn't hold my tear. I was crying. And when I think about it, I want to cry now. I don't know why. I just feel so, um, so proud of, you know, that what we are doing now, what we are, we've been doing, um, you know, we've, we harvest uh, a very a beautiful fruit of we let, um, we have Lamea speaking in this important uh, event with ambassadors, um, like those diplomats, right? Um, and Lamea as a movers ambassador. And again, that's exactly uh, how we say about, you know, movers program is about putting trust to young people first, right? We put in trust to uh, to Lamea. We trust that she will make the most amazing speech and represent the movers community. So that was uh, a proud moment. The second proud moment was, um, you know, when we had uh, another onboarding call in March when I was doing it actually in Konken and we have Abdul shared his story, his his journey as a movers during the onboarding call, which, by the way, there will be another one next Friday. Uh, so, um, and so what, the reason why that was a, another proud moment was that Abdul was um, the very first, uh, you know, the organic recruit of movers community, right? He doesn't know anyone from the movers community. A lot of movers members joined uh, because of, you know, they have a friend, they have a, uh, you know, peer in the organization. So then they check it out. But Abdul found movers program organically online. And, uh, and then, and, and not just that, I remember when I met Abdul in December when we were doing Movers one year anniversary and he was trying to uh, read a poem in front of us, you know, amongst like core members of Movers community, right? I remember he was so nervous. He couldn't, um, I can tell his his nervousness from his speech and um, and then it was not very, the most fluent like poem reading speech um sorry it was a sharing it's 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 poem reading and then sharing afterwards but then during the onboarding call i was listening to abdul's um sharing he was such amazing speaker and storyteller at that time he was so articulate he's so confident and i can see these transformative changes just within a couple of months and the same story that i've heard um you know when i was joined when I joined uh, Movers China uh, New Year uh, reflection and celebrations evening, and I heard all that all of them sharing how much they've learned and grow through the Movers journey. And uh, just last night, when I was uh, just speaking with uh, Nadia, because we were actually in a stories meeting, but then she was there jumping in and, you know, help me facilitate, keep the conversation active and, um, you know, vibrant. At the same time, I also remember uh, when I first met Nadia, uh, it was in APY India. 
right? And I, I listened, I joined one of her breakout room and because like, oh, there's a mover, let's see if um, the, the, the conversation is going on well. And I think at that time, Nadia just joined uh, movers community. So, and then I went and uh, she was also very, very confused uh, during APYE uh, breakout room. So I asked her, can you try to, uh, you know, facilitate the conversation and, uh, she was not as confident um, at that time. But now I saw how much change and how much growth she had. And I think those are, those. there's no one tiny, there's no one largest moment of feeling proud. There's all this very, very amazing um, moments of feeling proud. And all of these are combining together and, you know, motivate uh, me and I'm sure including you, you know, for, for making the Movers program better. Yeah, I and I mean coming back on trust, I think because I know these stories as well. So just to add on, um, yeah, like Abdul, Nadia, Lameya, and everyone, we never ask them like you know what is your SDG experience, what is your education, what is we just ask what is your email address, <laughs> like you know we don't we don't ask anything like to just where you you know we we. We don't, we don't ask anything. We're just here to give trust, mm. give them the community and platform for them to be able, I mean, one platform so that they can take actions through this platform and meet people. And then they, they just build themselves, I would say. And yeah, again, uh, I mean, it has been so beautiful to see the journey and it's what makes us go on every day. And, um, and yeah, no, I think thank you for sharing with these three super amazing stories. And how would you, that's linked to the, you know, to the impact that Movers program wants to have on youth and it's linked to become future ready. But how would you put that into words? Like what happened with Abdul? What happened with Lameya? What happened with Nadia? I mean, in, in what you have observed. Mm, right. And I think that's, um, mm, so that that's that's if if I put myself into shoes of uh, movers, and I think I've been there as well. You know, every time that we're given uh, trust that we can do something before we actually do it, um, it's actually very very scary, right? Imagine uh, I, I can I imagine not imagine like I, I if I bring myself back to the first time I was on stage, you know, facilitating a startup weekend. I was so nervous, um, and 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 then I don't know like um, if I will do well. I don't know what are people's expectations, things that in their heads that I can't control. But then I'm and I also cannot control my feeling, um, you know. And then also I I remember um, I was you know in in the early days when I just joined UNDP and everyone was like commenting, oh, she's from this world of startup. Uh, she's uh, having this and that experience, so she can do this and that very, very well. So all this uh, expectations is very, very heavy and it's very, very scary, right? And and I think before we finish it, we will always carry this fear. We will always feel like we won't, we, we, we're not ready enough. We're always fear that we, we didn't, uh, consider everything well or didn't prepare enough right so and i think but then the 
things will change the moment everything finishes. It's like, oh, it's actually not that scary. It's not as complicated as I thought. I can actually do it. So, and I think um, all this transformative, you know, um, experience in our in our head uh, actually happened right after the first workshop where we actually do it. So, you know, then the event is not, and all the feeling and emotion is actually in reality, right? It's actually not in our head. It's not, ima- we're not imagining if things will go wrong, if things will go well. So it's, it becomes reality. And, and I think that's where, you know, um, we know that it's not really uh, that scary and we can actually do it. So I think a lot of movers actually share this with us that, you know, after the first workshop, they realize that, oh, they can actually do it. They can speak in front of a lot of people. It's actually not that um, scary. And all this fear in our heads uh, automatically uh, go away. So, yeah. What? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's so interesting. For me, it's a very, like, you know, we speak a lot in our world, but more and more about, we say the word empowerment, right? Use empowerment. Mm. But the word empowerment is like leadership. It's like, you know, we just say the word all the time and we tend to forget what it means. But I think what you said is a very, I mean, I would say it's a perfect definition of empowerment. Like, because, you know, like what they did, um, what you mentioned, okay, I didn't know I could speak in public. I didn't know I could organize this workshop. I mean, we didn't, we didn't train them for one year. They <laughs> just read, they read, they attended the workshop. They read some documents, but it's things they could already do before. I mean, they, they, that it's power that they have already. And somehow it just got unlocked because they just tried it. And it reminds me, no, the, the two episode one with Ashley, where she mentioned she was sent to Sierra Leone to coordinate 30 volunteers who are older than her. And she's like, why, why, I, why am I, how am I supposed to do that? But her supervisor kept telling her, you can do it. You can do it. I know. And mm. she did it eventually. And then with Anne Law from another episode, we were speaking about actually like the, she, she's a facilitator. So she was, was speaking about, her work and her work is about empowering citizens. And she always says, we already have the power in us, but we need something to unlock it. We need something to reconnect with it. And yeah, I guess through movers, I mean, I, I say you, but I mean, us and everyone here in also watching, it's what we try to do, right? To, yeah, make people reconnect with that power, mm. which is existing, but somehow we might have lost it along the way. Uh, and we, it comes back with the trust uh, that people give you around you. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think it's a great definition of uh, empowerment. And um, she had a question uh, that I forgot <laughs> <laughs> along all of this, uh, but it will come back. Um <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I, so I lost my transition <laughs> here. That's so sad. Um, oh yeah, no, no, yeah, okay, it came back. Um, because you oh, mentioned great. when you... Okay, let me share an example first, which I think I shared already on StreamYard with you, with Show Me. When I just joined UNDP, 
after two weeks, you guys asked me to run a SDG workshop for 200 people. And I'm like, I don't know what are the SDGs. <laughs> I just arrived. Oh my God. I was like, okay. Um, and yeah, I, I get, I, I understand what, like how you feel, like all the expectations as well. When I arrived and I was tagged as a co-working space expert. <laughs> I'm not at all a co-working space expert. I just I just worked in a co-working space like for ten months, and then everyone tagged me. Oh yeah, he's a co-working space expert. Like so much pressure, you know. But then okay, you know where you are heading, and you know what you have to deliver, and then people trust you. So like okay, if people trust me, then you need to trust yourself as well. Mm. And so yeah, you you mentioned you had this when you arrived at UNDP. I wonder, do you still have this? The fact that, oh, I'm not sure if I will be able to do it. And now with experience, did you, do you manage to feel all the time that you are ready? Um, I think I, I, I changed my perspective a little bit. So I think, um, yeah, I can, I, I saw, uh, CC mentioned about imposter syndrome and Sachi also asked a similar question. So I think, uh, for me, you know, earlier when I joined, uh, UNDP, I had a tremendous, like, imposter syndrome. Like, in my head, I always ask myself, who am I? How come I deserve to be here? And, um, you know, like, I feel like, um, among everyone in the same meeting table, I'm the person that I, I'm the only one that doesn't deserve to be on the same table with them because the way they talk um, and, and also it's very, very different areas, right. Um, that I feel for me in my head uh, is that, Oh, everyone graduated from political science, from international studies, from, you know, um, uh, development studies, all this very, very fancy things. But I actually have, I had no clue. Um, I spent five years studying um, interpreting and translations. It was just like learning language uh, and also working in a startup, working in youth development in a way that, you know, running, organizing events and stuff. But like, I, I, I remember the first time I heard, for example, theory of change, I heard uh, uh, MNE, um, I heard, you know, uh, all like log frame, all these very, very technical terms in the UN. I was so confused. And everyone seems very, very confident with what they are talking about. So I question myself, if everyone sounds so confident with what they're talking, and then they can respond to each other, it must because the problem must be me. I am the one that, you know, not qualified because I don't understand what they're talking about and I don't know how to respond to their questions. Um, so, and then, so then I started to question myself, who am I? What qualifications do I have? Um, and, um, and I think I had uh, a conversation with Savi which is a very, if you listen to the first episode, you will heard that, uh, you will hear that, yeah, it's a very important person in my life, a uh, very, very good, um, you know, person who mentored me a lot. Um, so I had a conversation with Savi and shared about, with him about, you know, I don't feel like I, I am the one to, 
I should be here. I should be the person, you know, uh, you know, working in this and that. And and you know what? We always talk about there seven hundred, there seven hundred millions of young people, right? And in UNDP is uh, it's we're working a youth team and we are you know helping these seven hundred millions of young people. So very concretely, the question in my head is like, who am I to? You know, to to help or to even speak on behalf of seven hundred millions of young people. Um, so I always so scared about about this. Like I created so many scenarios in my head, um, and and then I had a chat with Savi, and and I think he asked me uh, this question that so do you rather someone else uh, to do this, um, someone else that maybe they don't care enough uh, and. And then he say that you are here because of, it must because of reasons. Regardless of what reasons, you are here because of there are reasons for you to be here. So uh, maybe you don't know the reason now, but there are reasons that you are you you deserve to be here, right? So and and I think now I started to think about this, think about this from another perspective, right? Because I feel like. When I was having imposter syndrome, when I was feeling not qualified enough, I was thinking about just my personal insecurity. I was only focusing on my personal feeling, right? And then I, I let that feeling impact me and influence me. But then now I don't have that as much as before. Was because now I see it from this perspective. It's not about me. I'm here. Because um, because I'm representing a, a group of young people, I'm here because of other people. It's nothing to do with me. My security, insecurity, my feeling doesn't count. And what I can do is that um, if I am chosen to be here instead of other people, um, I just focus on doing my best and and imagine that someone else. Who really doesn't care took my took this spot? If because the thing is that if it wasn't me, it, it will be someone else, right? Imagine that it's someone else who doesn't really care, who just um, you know came because you know fancy you entitled. What would happen, right? So I'm here, and um, and and it's not just about feeling I am qualified or not, and it's time to remove this feeling. You know, it's time to remove the perspective of focusing of me, but really thinking about the people that I am, I, I that I'm trying to reach out, the people that I'm trying to help. So I think that's how I try to um, deal with my imposter syndrome. Because when I'm having imposter syndrome, I would just try to ask myself, like.、Um, Am I caring myself too much? Am I, am I caring about my personal, either ego or either you know the face issue too much? That's why I'm having imposter syndrome. Am I really putting my focus attention to, you know, to to things beyond my feeling to to the larger cause? And yeah, also if it's interesting how you reversed everything, and also if you reversed. Like you mentioned, when you arrived, you're like, oh, everyone comes from. I don't know the name of the university. Like I guess uh, I, uh, I know Oxford, Harvard, like this kind of, of uni where they study、uh, develop development.、Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think the the beautiful side is also like you're not 
defined by what you study during your bachelor and masters and that's also uh, um wait uh i have the word in french but that's also uh yeah uh hello to cc i know she she cares a lot about this sentence and statement as well but yeah you're not defined by what you study but more by your action mm -hmm. and that's how i mean you mentioned right in the first episode how you arrive at the un you arrive here because you were more prepared than everyone because you took action because you met people because you you were not waiting for opportunities to come but you grab the opportunities yourself and you're here because it's a consequence of your own actions so for me that's a beautiful part of it as well even if yeah it's like um but yeah if we turn it around and you know that in our movers leadership workshop we also try to turn things around in the empowering belief this uh, limiting belief section and um and yeah i think i mean super interesting yeah it's like how imposter syndrome comes from yourself and yeah basically you just try to see the bigger picture and if not me who else and if the who else care more about me no not more about me more than me about what i'm doing right now um so yeah hope it gives you some clues uh forgot what the question oh yeah sachi and Too many comments I cannot find anyway. <laughs> But yeah, I think also on that, um, I know Savi, he, he sent us a question. He wanted to highlight the fact that actually, you know, so the whole UNDP Asia Pacific building, do you know how many people are there? I, I don't know actually. Um, I think roughly 200 to 300 for. Okay. UNDP. So hundreds of people, hundreds yeah. of people there, UNDP, <clears throat> and you were hired as one of the youngest consultants in the building as a young woman with no development studies background. And that's impressive. And I think Savi wanted to highlight this um, to everyone uh, that you were hired as one of the youngest consultants, maybe the youngest one in the whole UNDP Asia Pacific. And... And yeah, he, so Savi's question is, what is your advice for young girls who are keen to join the development world to make a difference? Maybe reflecting mm. on your own experience joining as a youngest woman. I mean, youngest person, but also youngest woman of UNDP. Right. Yeah, I think I can only speak from my experience. Um, so as, as I've already mentioned in the previous answer of course like a lot of imposter syndrome feeling so um but in addition to that um i think there are a few things that i want to uh highlight from my experience so um mm, the first the first thing is that um You know, a lot of I observe a lot of people, you know, came in to work in the UN from based on different kind of motivations. Some people think that, oh, uh, it's UN. Uh, it's a very fancy title and a very decent, you know, working environment. And I think now I still get a lot of questions of well, how do I work in UN? Right. And then I usually I usually follow up with a question like, why do you want to work in the UN? What costs, um, you know, what you know, what, what kind of fire do you have mm, in, in a way that, you know, you want to 
contribute, you're passionate about what's in, what's in your fire. Oh, wait, what's what fire is in your heart? And you get to my point, you know, um, something around that. So what exactly is uh, the cause that you want to contribute, that you want to, you know, play a role in it? Because there are different SDGs and in different SDGs are also different, uh, different different groups, different teams, and you went working on different things, right? So I think it's really about um, finding the true cause of what, uh, why you are doing what you are doing and not more than just, you know, it's a fancy title, it's um, amazing working environment in the sense of like very bright uh, office, uh, table and everything. Um, so I think that's that's my first first. Uh, suggestions that it's not it's really about the bigger causes of uh, why you are working uh, and in the UN and and it has to it's it matters a lot because I constantly you constantly need to remind yourself why you are working in the UN because honestly there are a lot of things that are really hard to understand and when we don't understand something it can it becomes very very frustrating and sometimes we don't understand why uh, a certain procedure, bureaucracy, or sometimes things that just we don't understand why human behave in a certain way, right? And um, and and then the reason why we don't understand a lot of things will also frustrate us. So um, we need to keep reminding ourselves of why we're we're there. The second thing is um, um, is actually to to understand because if we are starting. Uh, actually, if, if you're starting in a in your in your career in a, in a large uh, working environment, sometimes it's a little bit too scary, and that's where you actually set your a benchmark of you know the work environment should be like that. And uh, so my suggestion is that uh, try to understand different working environment. Don't see uh, you know one organization as the ultimate. Um, answer to to or, or the, the the benchmark of everything and uh, try to understand you know the working environment and um, and then you also need to set your boundary and you know and to voice out whenever you feel uncomfortable whenever you feel like um, you know things that make you feel unsafe and um, but then that's that, that's easier to say than done, right? So um, it's very important to build your own support system and um, really find people that you feel like you can trust and feel find the people who share the same value. So uh, if you use, for example, Lifeline as a way to um, to filter people, you know, like how you can trust a person or how you want to interact with a person, try to think about each one of individuals has their life is their message and what message are they giving to people around us? Right. Um, so, so that's the second one to set your boundary and always don't take answers for granted. The third thing is actually to be, to, to be thankful and appreciative um, in a way that I think when I was, when I just joined UN and there are, there are a lot of things that, um, it's overwhelming. It's uh, it's really hard to comprehend, to understand. But um, what keeps me going all the time is this feeling of thankfulness. Um, you know that I I appreciate a lot of things around me and uh, people's um, their 
um, their efforts and everything and uh, and all the support that I can get and all, all the opportunity that comes to me. So um, be thankful and appreciative of people <clears throat> and efforts around us. Um, and yeah, I think, um, I think, oh, oh sorry. Uh, one more thing that I always share, because <laughs> uh, I think it's um, very, for me, it's, it's, it might be more suitable to, um, to, to, to girls grew up in a, in a more traditional Asian cultures. Of course, it doesn't fit in for everyone. I might be stereotyping, but, um, just in general, I think, um, it's okay to be very, very proactive. It's okay to, you know, be proactive. You don't need to wait and sit and for, you know, for things to come to you. It's okay to be proactive, um, to look for opportunity, to, to offer help, to, um, to mention your opinion. So I think, um, maybe it's not, I don't know if it's gender related or culture related, but I just want to say that um, it's our job to to be to reach out, to be proactive, and how the other person will respond to us. That's their that's that's their task, right? Sometimes we might feel like, oh, am I disturbing this person too much? Am I troubling this person too much? And uh, we don't know. Before we reach out, we don't know the boundary of this person. And it's for this person to let them let us know their boundary. But if we don't reach out, maybe we lose opportunity of, you know, we might we might get, right? So it's okay to reach out. It's okay to be proactive. And yeah, I think that's also great advice for life in general, not only for young women who want to work at UNDP, but for everyone, for, for your life in general, I think. Thank you so much for sharing that. And no, again, I mean, it comes down to your, I think I will say that a lot today, but it comes down to your own journey, right? I mean, it's not random comments, not random advice. The last point, I know it's linked to your time in Guangzhou at university. I know your parents were like, why are you volunteering so much? Why are you going there, ISAC, etc.? But it's ultimately what, shapes the rest of your journey and and to come back on the fire like what's your fire in your heart something like this <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i think i i you i remember the my first day or second day you and cynthia you brought me into this like super dark and small room and you asked me yeah think about how can well like Think about like what are your goals in life? How can the work you do now also help you to achieve these goals? And yeah, I think it's a very important question for our team in general. And I mean to ask yourself as well, like what I, if we come back to the question, like do you want to join the UN just because you want to update your LinkedIn profile? Are you joining <laughs> the UN for a bigger cause? Things that took and it sounds so simple like this, but if we say that, we say that for a reason. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, on the fire, I mean, obviously one of your fire linka is around youth empowerment, but I know you have so many other fires in your heart. Um, would you like to share what are the other fires? Okay. Um, I think. For now, what I'm doing, apart from, you know, uh, movers and, um, yeah. So I've also started uh, a startup 
together with uh, two of uh, two of the other co-founders, um, Magda in Hong Kong. And so what we are doing is to, hmm. okay, so maybe let me start with a story. And I always told this story because it's related to the fire that I'm doing with this um, with this startup. Um, so when I was, so I've been living in in Bangkok for, since 2016, and I've been living here for four years and I like to show people around. Uh, when I was, when I first came here and, you know, there was, um, during weekend and Savi offered, um, like a temple, what we call temple run, just to go to different temples, uh, in Bangkok and just to learn about, because he has a Buddhism degree so uh he can really tell a lot of stories about you know all oh, the the feature of you know this sculpture of buddha is because of indicates this meaning and that meaning and we've um we've done like three or four temples in one day and um and then, you know, we took boats across Chao Paria River and a very, very authentic Thai experience. I've learned so much about temple, right? And I really feel connected with those temple. Um, it's, um, and I feel like whenever I went back, I always see, I can always see those different features of, of Buddha and I and always understand what's going on. And so I, I really love that experience. And I visit, so I hosted two couch surfing friends. Um, one is from Germany, one is from Chile. And we spent a weekend, uh, we spent a weekend together and we went to the Grand Palace. So, um, you know, the Grand Palace is probably the one of the most expensive temple in Thailand. Uh, so far, I have never encountered another temple cost more than the Grand Palace. So, um, the the ticket price is uh 500 thai baht and uh and then i remember when i went there um and we happened to have a, a english like, official tour guide and he showed us around and we he talked a lot about you know the for example um you know this part of of the grand palace it has like a model of um uh, of 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 like for example the the, the sculpture of two uh, figures from Taoism in China and then um, and then another corner it has a door which is decorated by uh, Chinese tea uh, porcelain um, from from China which indicates the trade between Siam Kingdom of Siam and China during that time right so um, and then it was in the Grand Palace I also overheard another group of tool uh, who from China. And then the group of people, uh, the tool guy was talking in Grand Palace uh, in front of, you know, the, the sculpture in front of the, the painting of uh, Ramakian, which is a very, 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 it's a, like a legend um, of, of Thai um, by, by in, in Thailand. So it's like um, very similar to Ramayana to, 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 to Indian culture, right? So in front of that painting, they were talking about jasmine rice. And I was so confused. And at that time, I was also feeling very, very angry. The reason why I was feeling angry was that I know, you know, um, people from China, they usually have around five to 10 days annual leave. And then they spent those days sitting in the bus, going from pl one place to another place in Thailand, uh, just to take a picture uh, in the Grand Palace, where the ticket cost 500 baht, uh, 
listen to you know Jasmine Rice of Thailand. So and I feel like I feel so angry for you know those group of Chinese to, uh, tourists. So. Uh, so this is the stories I always remember. Remind myself why we're doing Storyus. Uh, so that's exactly. Um, so basically, what Storyus is trying to do. Um, so Storyus can under can be understood in two ways: as story of us and stories for curious people. Um, so what we are trying to do is that if you are going to, if you're traveling or you if you are just walking in a random corner in any places in the world. Um, imagine there's a map, and uh, right next to that map, there's a pin which indicates that there's a recorded uh, audio for you to listen to. Um, you know uh, the meaning of these places. So imagine that in the Grand Palace,、um, instead of listening to Jasmine Rice in Thailand,、uh, I can actually listen to the story of、uh, the history, the story of of Grand Palace. Right.、Um, so, so that's exactly what we are trying to do、uh, through Storyus, and、uh, and we've started, we've registered、uh, a company in Hong Kong since last、uh, September. Exactly、uh, since last time we've talked.、Um, so now we've collected more than seven hundred stories、um, from nearly twenty countries. So we want to,、um, you know, bring the meaningful. Um, experience for people when they are traveling to a new places. So for Storyus right now,、um, we have we have a team of、uh, three co-founders. We have a team of three operations managers, and we have、um, you know around nearly fifty interns、uh, in the team that's working on, for example, marketing,、uh, product development, etc., etc. And we've been working remotely、um, since since last September. I, I wonder, is it you know the like the story you mentioned? Is it something that you've been thinking about for a long time? Like I, I, I wonder about the start of Storyus. Like I know, is it something that you like that that particular problem that you want to address? Is it something that you were thinking about before or that you carried with you before? Is it something that came with Storyus? And it's a real life、mm. story. Yeah, I think for me, it's、um, so. Ever since I've been living in Thailand, I've been trying to、um, find a way to introduce Thai culture to Chinese people. So、um, there, there's a very funny、uh, video of me. You know, trying to repeat the full name of Bangkok, which has、um, you know the world record of having the longest name. In the world, the longest city name in the world, and I was shooting that video、um, at the top of、um, Wat Saket. So it's a temple um, in um, in the old town of Thailand, and from it's actually built in a mountain, but the mountain was actually an artificial mountain.、Um, so. Basically, I was like trying to because I find it very very interesting, you know,、um, like all this meaning meaningful things behind、uh, all those th- those places. But if you don't know about it,、um, it's you can't actually search for it, you know.、Um, and because I don't know, maybe it's,、um, some of the information are not available in Chinese,、uh, and then、uh, some of those information, if you don't know Thai, you actually don't know how to look for it. Right.、Um, so I've been trying to do that for 
by myself. Um, I actually share something on my WeChat public page. Uh, but then I think a uh, story is, uh, is actually something that I enjoy doing in my free time, um, you know, sharing about culture and stuff. And whenever I have friends visit me in Bangkok, I always tell them, you know, the history of Bangkok, history of Thailand, uh, most of them from, from China. And what I noticed that at the end of the day, uh, they will always buy me a very, very fancy meal because they just feel so happy. <laughs> it happens so many times because because it, like a lot of them are like they work in Baidu, they work in TikTok, they work in, you know, all this like uh, Chinese, like very the tech companies. And they're, you know, they earn a decent amount of money. Right. Um, and then they spend their holiday in Thailand um, and then. And then they say that they never know this part of Thailand if I wasn't there and telling them. Um, and the most, actually, their original plan was to go to a shopping mall, have some dessert, and do some massage, and that's that, that's it. I brought them to different places and talk, tell them about different things. So I re- noticed that that level of satisfaction and fulfillment, um, it's beyond measure. I mean, it could be measurable given that they. All of them treat me super fancy dinners. Maybe that's the way that how satisfied and how happy they feel, right? Um, so, 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 yeah. Back to the question of, um, you know, the 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 idea of of story is. So, I've always asked myself this question as well. If I'm not working in uh, UNDP, if I'm more, not working in youth collab, um, what are what are the things that I really want to spend my time and contribute to? And I think tourism, um, you know, uh, tourism, mm, I, I probably I invented this world, uh, empathy tourism, um, that it's something that I really want to work on. And in a way that, you know, it's not the hierarchy between visitors and local people is not like um, local people are serving the tourists, right? And then the the, the, the ex- visitors are there to consume whatever the local local community has, but it's it should be equal or it should be, um, yeah, it should be mutually equal among each other with empathy, with thinking about how can I also um, give back to the community? How can I interact with the community? For those of you who are listening, um, I don't know if you also have very, very similar moments that when you're traveling or we're going to a places, uh, you feel most, you have the most amazing experience when you have your local people, you know, bring you to eat the most authentic food or, and then share with you their, you know, uh, daily life, you know, how people usually, uh, you know, what do they usually do? What do they value in life? I remember whenever I went to, for example, um, Bangladesh, I, I think a lot of you are from Bangladesh in this conversation. I always feel so connected because um, uh, I always travel with local friends. They will always tell me, you know, um, you know, people in Bangladesh, they do this and that and this time of the day and how they, um, you know, make a living through things that they're doing. And uh, I've also 
been to a community between the border of Bangladesh and India called Manipur. And I stayed there with local people for um, nearly one week, trying to understand, you know, um, what's the life there. It's very, very peaceful environment. I joined their funeral. Um, it's... Um, it's a very, very interesting experience as well because um, in the funeral, there are music performances and which is very similar to um, the funeral I had in my hometown. And uh, it brings a lot of connections when I, when I was traveling. And, um, and I think, so back to the topic of empathy tourism, um, the reason why I think that is very, very important, they actually um, kind of, it's from the experience I had when I was, you know, traveling to a lot of places because of my work. And whenever I, whenever I travel, because I travel to a lot of places where a lot of people don't usually go if they pick um, a look, a tours, um, a, a travel destinations, right? Um, a lot of, so I've been to uh, Pakistan, I've been to um, uh, Bangladesh, been to um, India. Um, I mean, there, there, some of them are tourism tourism destinations. Um, I've, oh, sorry, I've been to Fiji, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands. So what I meant is that it's not like the world famous tourism destinations, right? So um, and then a lot of places before I went, uh, many people will give me this uh, note of you know, oh, you need to pay attention to your belongings. You don't need to, uh, you need to pay attention to you know interacting too much with local people because of this incidents and that incidents or or this and that right so there are a lot of stereotyping and generalizing of um based on like very negative media um uh, stuff so when i went for example let me just give you an example when i went to before i went to solma islands a lot of people asked me to be very very careful because you know people will rob you on the streets people will take away your belongings they will just you know that any moment on the streets you might get hurt Right. But when I went there, I noticed that everyone is so, so welcoming in a way that it might, I understand why it gets scary. Right. Um, because when I was in Solomon Islands, everyone just want to, uh, ask me, you know, uh, am I, uh, how am I, am I single? Am I married? So, and then when they ask questions, they will, there's no social distancing. They will try to, you know, look at you in a very, like staring at you. Uh, so it could be, um, scary in the sense that maybe you will think about oh why they're asking these questions are they planning to you know uh, to see if I am alone so then they will you know uh, they're planning something in their head but actually it's not they're just very very curious and everyone is like that and that's just how the culture and how people there you know their 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 you know usual behavior so um, so 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 yeah so I think. So for me, you know, empathy tourism is really about when you go to a places, um, you don't think about, oh, people should behave this way and that way. You actually get rid of your expectations and, um, and stereotype thought in your head. And you go there without expectations just to understand what's going on in, in, in your destinations. Yeah. And welcome back, Ding Long. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I was thinking I could do... Uh, a lifeline part three with Linka. I just launched a live. I put you there and I leave. I think you do well without me. <laughs> I mean, no, but actually, that's perfect. It's actually exactly what I wanted to speak about. 
to like dig a bit more around your experience because it's it comes from your experience welcoming your friends in Thailand, but also your experience traveling. And I know you don't you hate traveling to mainstream places. And yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I think I really loved the sentence that you said, like uh, you need to explore the world as a baby. So have no judgment, just go there, have no expectations, just play around. And, and you know, maybe, you know, like if we take again the example of your Chinese friend, maybe the only thing they know about Thailand is the big malls and they just arrive, <laughs> they have the expectation of the malls, right? But with Torios, they can get to know a bit more before and during and after as well. And... um yeah, actually, I, I know you have a lot of stories. So you shared about the one in Fiji. Um, <laughs> I know you have a lot of stories, travel stories. So yeah, I let you. Yeah, could you share a few more with us? Ah, yes. And um, yeah, so before that, I just want to clarify that I shouldn't, I couldn't take the credit of Travel Like Baby because that's actually uh, tilt. Uh, concept. So Till is um, another very important mentor of my life. If you search Till TEDx uh, Travel Like Baby, you will find his talk. Um, so yeah, so back to the the best traveling experience. Um, let me think. Um, there are so many, but I think most of them are, you know, the experience that you know when i came with no expectations and and i really stay um and live with local people um let me try to think about um so i share a little bit about uh you know um that i stay in at the border between bangladesh and india in a village called manipur and uh and i went there and the most amazing part of that experience was that there was only 2G data, uh, 2G signal. It's not even 3G or 4G, so it's either none or 2G uh, signal for me. And um, and I really was there. Like I was 100% present because I have nowhere else to go. There was no signal. And uh, I was just like enjoying everything. And the thing is that... Um, I stay with the local people and uh, they didn't actually plan anything for me. Uh, the plan was just to do whatever they're doing for the day. And it just happened that the day I arrived, uh, someone passed away. And so they invited me to the funeral and I was sitting there together with all the local people. And they serve me the food the way as they serve everyone else. And I was sitting there, doesn't understand anything. They were talking and they were like music performances. They were like ceremonies and rituals um, that you have to go to. Um, you have to go to a stage thing and then give your wish to the family member of people who passed away. And uh, And then, and I think the next day, and we went to visit all the village members because I stay with the head of village and he always like just visit them and ask them, oh, how, how is your life? How is it? How's everything? And uh, and I just went to different houses and uh, I have no clue what happened. Everything is in local language. And I went to a local market 
um, it was very, very, very eye-opening because um, a lot of things that I can't recognize, um, a lot of like agricultural products, I have no clue what they are. And um, and then the next day we went to um, we went to a tea tea plantation, like a, a huge field of tea leaves, and to um, to see different kinds of tea leaves and and stuff. So yeah, like I think that's one of the most um, very, very local experience that I had. And, and I really like when I'm traveling is not, it's not, mm, how to say, it's not places where, you know, that are just lying there. And um, I mean, that's one way of traveling, right? But for me, my style is really to feel connected with local people and try to observe and see what they're doing. And we'll come back on stories after that, but I wonder, do you, I think you mentioned that a bit with Konkian. I think about both reconnect, I mean, connecting with the locals and also being disconnected and in the moment, you mentioned only 2G. Do you manage to recreate, <laughs> recreate this kind of atmosphere in your daily life? Or is it something you are looking to recreate in your life in Bangkok? Or is mm, it something like, you, you, you look for only when traveling? Um, yeah, and I think it's, I don't do it very often in Bangkok. Like as much as I tried, I just took a lot of city life for granted. Um, like I would, um, you know, if I'm in, the, in, when I'm traveling, I would try to speak to as many people as possible. But sometimes, um, not sometimes, most of the time in Bangkok, I'm just so, unmotivated to speak, for example, all the drivers or all the people on the street. Um, so I don't think that's something that I would do, um, you know, if when I'm when I'm leaving in Bangkok for for too long, I just lost that motivation of, you know, talking to people and feel connected. And and yeah, and I think that's that's um, I don't, I've heard it from some of the podcasts that if you, you know, like if you uh, change, for example, if you go traveling or if you, if you, if you, oh, so it's a, it's a, it's a podcast about, you know, new year resolution. Like uh, we, the chances are higher if we feel like there's a fresh start that we will change our behavior. So like, for example, uh, during new year, people you know, feel have more hope that they will change their behavior during birthday. People feel like they will change uh, their behavior. That's because that they see it as a new start. And I think same with traveling. Um, you know, when we're traveling or, or, or the first day we came back, most of the time we have more higher hope of, you know, we will change a certain behavior because we see that as a new start. And I don't apply that as much as, you know, when I'm, living in Bangkok, which I should. That's a very good reminder. Um, I think that's so, interesting, yeah. you know. It, it, uh, I guess it depends what is the time frame or what are the milestones of the fresh start. Because you could mm. tell yourself also every day is a fresh start, but we don't. But it could be... <laughs> no, I, I mean, we had this conversation <laughs> already, but around... Yeah, I think it's super interesting... Um, yeah, how, I mean, if it, because, you know, I just reflect if that's something 
you and also me we really enjoy when traveling for a short time you know we, we know it's a fresh start we don't have much time we have to enjoy as much as possible i guess the challenge how can you bring that into your daily life if it really something that makes you enjoy life how can you bring that into your daily life i think that's uh maybe via stories <laughs> <laughs> yay but um yeah so i i think back to stories could you share what how was the first day of stories what was there a first day how how did you decide with steel and freddy to start stories was there anything anyone else involved and what was the first official day um the first official day i would say is 28th of september that's when we have uh you know the the, the form the document of registration but then really the unofficial start date it's really really hard to 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 define now because the stories of um of stories is actually um so i think it was last year in march and till and freddy they were um you know just um having some friends gathering and having some like um drinking and stuff and then they were talking about um was it was the it was the starting the first month of lockdown right and both of them has their 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 business are really just purely um by the offline training like um workshop and um with interaction with students so they were actually not doing a lot of things and they were talking about this idea and uh in actually in the beginning um i was on board as not as one of the co-founders um in the beginning they were just bringing a group of i remember almost 10 people to um to try to say that oh can you try to record a story and see uh if this idea would work and i was one of the person you know being it's more like imagine that they're doing this design thinking workshop and i was just one of the participants right i'm not part of the organizing team um but then throughout uh and then um i think at one point till asked me if i want to join as uh one of the co-founders and i think that's aligned with what i've been spending time on you know um and what i'm very what i'm very very passionate about so yeah that's how i joined uh stories um team and you know each one of us we all have different our own story of why we are doing stories and uh if you ask till if you ask freddy why they started stories it will be very very different from my story of you know tourist in bangkok and you know sitting in the bus um so we all have our own version of 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 story of of, of our own story of stories did you want at that time before like till ask you did you expect or want to have a bigger role in stories and then when he asked you did you say yes like immediately hmm. um if yeah i think actually at that time when i was like as a participant of that workshop like different meetings i felt like that's something that i really really enjoy and i just passionate about and I, i i could be like one of the most active contributor in those meetings so i think when they reached out when till reached out it felt like oh 
I can, I, I felt like that that was happening. And, um, and yeah, and I think I've always wanted to, so even though, you know, I had, um, you know, like community building and startup ecosystem and I worked in ICE before, but really to start uh, a startup, not like just an organization, but really a startup, um, that's something that I've been looking for as well. Because I want to, I really want to see how I can apply my experience to really build a startup. But what did, because I, I, I put myself in your shoes. Um, we have Anahita who just joined. Hi, Anahita. <laughs> um, so it's, when, when did he ask? It was September also? I think it was. May, June, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so we are May, June last year. You're already so busy with UNDP. Uh, <laughs> no, because I, I, because I get, you know, like you, you work so a lot already. So I put myself in your shoes. Like, you know, what goes through your mind? Do you ask yourself, oh, will I have time for this? Or will it, might it, threaten my friendship with Steele and Freddie. No, but what are some things that you ask yourself when before, like as you take the decision or was it really super easy to take this decision? Mm, I think it's the same process that I always do when I have to make a decision um, that I always ask my future self for opinion. Um, so basically the this Mm, this like mental model or this uh, thought process is that whenever I have to make a decision um, at current stage of life, um, I will also, I will try to put myself into the shoes of, you know, myself in 10 years, in 20 years, uh, when I'm, even when I'm 80s. So I will ask my future self, um, is this something that you think that I should do? And would you feel proud of me if I'm doing this now? Um, how would you tell? How would you? How would you tell your story at that point if I say yes now? So is this something that? So it's 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 also my way of you know um, when I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling confused when I'm feeling um, different emotions. I will also ask my future self. Um, is this temporary? Um, if I, whatever I'm doing, you know, if I'm overwhelmed with work and stuff um, right now, but would this benefit you, the you in the future, like you as myself in the future? So, um, so yeah, so yes, uh, and Nahita also feel the same. So yeah, I always think about this, um, you know, what story that I want my future self to tell other people in the in a, in to 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 advise my current self and but then i guess you so yeah first it's interesting it's like the third person perspective as we you mentioned last time in in the future so not in the present but some yourself that you speak to in the future and but then i guess so you you speak with 80 years old Linka who tells you go for it and then this is enough for you to 
I mean, enough. It, it's goes beyond. So it's like, okay, eighty year old Linka tells me to go for it. Uh, I will find, I will make it work, and I don't care. Like I don't have much time, etc. Something like this. Mm, yeah, I think something like that, and and yeah, and I agree with um, the time and uh, overworking. That's the issue that I'm still working on. Um, <laughs> um, but I always feel like if I want, I can always find time. But that's not true. Um, sometimes I'm 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 over over overwhelmed with with work and um so i learned a couple of things um of you know time management and everything um but then i think at that point when i was you know saying yes oh, even though like i was working i realized um, my weekend was free and also because you know we are usually like it was locked down so we're just staying at home during weekends so i like i was uh, okay so so the, the thing is that if i when i think back at that time we we were also we, we just saw stories as a pet project. So actually, three of us we were saying that oh, we're only going to spend one day per week for stories. But of course, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> and um, now it's almost feel like another uh, full time commitment. So, so yeah, um, so yeah, so so um, I was the, the the hardest part actually. Uh, last year, um, doing stories and everything at the same time was that I also promised myself that I would read 35 books um, last year. And and I made that promise at the beginning of the year without knowing that, you know, at the end of the year, I'll be so busy. So I almost, no, I, I only finished 34 books last year. And I finished, um, so the last one, the 35th book, I still have 20 pages when the, you know, the, the 12 a.m. clock hit. So I'm like, oh, I can't, I didn't finish it. So I finished the 20, remaining 20 pages the next day. So I finished my ch- 35 books challenge on the first day of 2021. You were reading when it was midnight? or? <laughs> yeah, because I really want to see if I can finish it. So, um, <laughs> so the story okay. was actually... Sorry? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So the story was actually um on um you know 31st evening and I was with Emily, um, who is one of the operations managers of Storias, and, and I think that was around 9 p.m. and I realized I still have around 60 pages to finish um my last book. So I told Emily, like, uh give me two hours. Uh, don't talk to me uh, or like, no, no, don't talk to me. I tell her that I might, I won't be able to respond to her if she speaks. Uh, and then, so I spent two hours trying to finish the book, but then um, I only finished um, another 40 pages and I still have 20 pages, but then it was almost the time we need to go to a rooftop to see the fireworks. So yeah, so I didn't finish. I still have 20 pages remained. Uh on the 31st of December. But do you see it as like a big failure or don't really care? No, I think I'm still very proud of myself. (laughs) Okay. Okay. No, no. I mean, I, yeah, no, I mean, because 34 books and almost 35, it's a big 
I mean, it's a lot, but I just wondered if, you know, you, how you feel about it. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I think from, I mean, I found it super interesting for me to understand how you took the decision to be more involved, become a co-founder, because I think, you know, there's so many conversations about how to find your co-founders, et cetera, et cetera. And I think on the other side as well, like when you've been working on a project and someone ask you to become a co-founder i think could happen to to people i think it's interesting to understand a bit the thinking process um but yeah so you mentioned you saw stories as pet project now not anymore uh so yeah like just to conclude stories chapter like where is stories at right now how what is the progress so far uh and i think omer had a question <laughs> like what is your best memory with stories to date Right. Um, okay. So I think I share a little bit while I was monologuing <laughs> uh, the progress. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you can share Omer's, Omer's question directly. All right. Um, yeah. The best moment of working in Storius. Um, I think it's, um, uh, I think it's the best part is, you know, when we when we share some of the, the clips with other people and we share the idea of stories, a lot of people gave us this validation of that's exactly uh, that's exactly what we've been looking for. That's a brilliant idea. That's something that I would definitely want to use it. And that's a similar I have um, very, very similar challenges before. And I think many of you who are listening, you, um, I'm sure you have this moment when you pass by a very interesting building, you try to look it up either on Google Map or Google, but it's really, really hard to look for a lot of interesting information beyond just the name or it takes a lot of time, you know, okay, um, I'm in a taxi and suddenly there's this colorful building next to me and okay, let me take up the Google Map. Oh, oops. Uh, already so so far away so where exactly is that place um you know and and then okay maybe this is the place let me click okay this building looks the same in the google map okay so let me read a bit about what is going on in this place right so all this very very lengthy process um but then exactly what story is, is trying to do is that you don't have to go through that you just open it the map, and then you listen to the stories. And um, one thing that I also want to highlight is that, you know, when it, when we travel, um, most of the time we hear very, very objective facts of, you know, uh, this building was built in um, 1996 and it has like 10 floors um, and it's painted in white and yellow color, those kind of things, right? Um Sometimes I don't understand, like, those kind of information, great, so what? Um, but then imagine that you can hear a story of people who used to live here and how um, they, you know, this place is a very, very meaningful location to them. Um, yeah, that's something that we really look forward to, um, you know, to see those spark in people's eyes. Um, yeah, I think... Um, the best moment of working in stories is, you know, really believing in and everyone in the team really believing in what we are doing can really make changes. And did you did you submit a story yourself? Yes, a lot. About... Not a lot, but not bad. 
Did yes. you did you share one about Xiamen? Yes, I shared, and it's um, for me. I really enjoy it because when I was doing the stories, and when I was you know trying to um, write a few stories about my hometown, it's not Xiamen. Actually, it's my village, and and I have to. Um, ask my parents a lot of questions, and then they feel like, uh, "Why do you suddenly feel so interested about very this very very particular details?" Um, so you know, like um, uh, a particular food um, that's very very similar to um, I don't know in um, Vietnamese, but in 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 Hokkien is called bò piang. Um, it's like a, a very very thin wrap, and then you wrap the, the veggies and rice together and it's like a spring roll but it's not fried it's just uh, and then you, you you eat it right like very very particular details of what exactly is in that rice you know do you put this and that in that rice and what's the ingredients and do you use, use um and there are different versions right if you're in the city you put uh peanut powder but if you're in the village you don't put that right you put different things So, and then, so, so, so very, very particular details. And for them, um, for me, I really love it because I feel like I'm very, I'm connected with my parents in this way, connected with my root culture. And, and then I also feel like it gives them a sense of pride that, you know, oh, uh, you know, we get to share a bit about our local culture and stuff. So I also encourage my mom to record a few stories of my hometown. <laughs> yeah. So if we want to hear the story, we should go to Storius app, right? Yes. So uh, Nadia already shared the link uh, in the Facebook comment area. So you can take, you can follow our Facebook. So we are um, currently collecting stories from all over the world. Um, if you are interested to be our storyteller, um, please. Uh, go to our website or drop us a message. Uh, let us know and apply to be a storyteller. And uh, we are going to launch our uh, mobile applications very soon. So you will be able to enjoy all the stories that we've now collected. And we look forward to, you know, um, to share the, the your story, to share the story of your cultures. Um, yeah. So if you are interested to know more about stories, um, you can visit the link that Nadia shared in the in the Facebook comments or you can go to stories.app. Cool. And any just random question, any any missing city that you really hope to have that Yeah, I think just to maybe see who we are in the in the conversation now. I think we hope to have Stories from Konken, we hope to have stories from Iran, stories from uh, Cambodia, stories from, uh, let me go through a content. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, we have a lot of stories from Bangladesh. We have stories from Pakistan. We have stories uh, from Bangkok uh, or Thailand. And yeah, so... But we we still look for more. Um, even one places, right? We uh, there are different perspective of 
understanding of places. Uh, imagine a restaurant. Uh, some of us will talk about, you know, a very specific kind of dish. Some of us will talk about the story of. Uh, of the owners, right? Why they want to open this restaurant and what happened to them? Some of us will probably talk about, you know, um, uh, different aspects of the locations of of this restaurant. So, so yeah, we always look forward to hear different perspective of of a place uh, of a place. So that's also where you know things that we're doing very very different from. You know, traditional tour tourism, right? Because when you go to a place, if you listen to official explanation, there's only one dimension that you can do to learn about a place. But if you can listen to different stories, you have this multi-dimensional perspective of one place. Cool. So everyone,、uh, like the page here.、Um, <laughs> yeah, share your stories from Iran, Cambodia. I'll not. I will not quote names, but from Iran and Cambodia. <laughs> and Kulia, before、um, yeah, just we move on. I wonder. I know you have notes. I just wonder if you covered <laughs> everything that you wanted to speak about so far,、mm. or anything else that you want to add around movers, stories, or anything else. Yes, I have. <clears throat> There are two to three things that I hope to share. Um, okay, so the first thing is、um, that I recently started this、um, mental checklist、um, of self acceptance.、Um, so basically,、um, at the end of the day, or well, any given time of the day, I will ask myself, "Do I get to know myself a little bit more?" Because I think this question.、Um, This question kind of, you know, get rid of the assumption that we always know who we are as a person.、Um, and I think in different situation, different scenario, that we we would know ourselves a little bit more, right? So if I don't, for example, go to a place, I would never know if I really like that or not.、Um, so just a very random example,、um, like、uh, if I I didn't know that. Um, I'm a person that needs a balcony.、Uh, if I didn't go to a lot of、uh, places to check,、uh, you know, like、uh, different apartments to check, right? So I didn't know that. But then I, when I put myself into that perspective, I know that oh, I I am the person that I when I'm my living space, I need a balcony. So those are not a very very like deep or fancy stuff, but that are something that's something new I I learn about myself. So that's Number item number one on my checklist.、Uh, number two is that、uh, do I accept myself、uh, as a whole? You know, as in you know, do I understand that I have shortcomings? Do I understand that、uh, what I'm good at? And but then do I accept myself as a whole? Accept my things that I'm not good at, things I'm good at. Do I accept that? And the last thing is that, oh no, sorry. The third thing is that,、um, you know, like I think we all have things that we are naturally good at, things that we are we don't we're not. Have I tried to improve myself、um, on the, of course, on the on the conditions that I accept of myself who I am? It's not like I am improving.
because I'm not satisfied with myself. But have I tried to improve myself a little bit? And then the last thing on my checklist is that、um, have I st- have have I told myself that I love myself today?、Um, not told myself as like、uh, a self monologue, but told myself in a way that have I spent time to exercise? Have I spent time to have self talk in my head? And that relates to the second thing I want to share is that you know when we are not looking for noises. Noises of you know digital screen, noises of、um, uh, things, situations happen around me. When there are no noises, when there when we are not looking for noises, when the whole world is quiet,、um, pay attention and also be aware of you know what art, what do we tell ourselves? You know when we are having our self conversation in our head. Uh, the message or the conversation we are telling ourselves is it positive or is it negative? And、um, if it's if it's not what you want, can you try to facilitate yourself、um, and then try to see if you can have、uh, different directions of the conversation. And the last thing that I want to share is actually related to.、Um, <laughs> okay, I promise this last thing. The last is is my is my recent.、Um, Uh, um, endeavor of being super、uh, radically, super unjudgmental, and I think、um, to actually to you are the person that helped me a lot to get there. Even though I'm still not,、uh, you know, I mean, I'm I I can be super awesome with like being like in theory, right? But in practice, I know that I'm not. The best, because、um, really, if I have to say, someone who is the best at being non-judgmental is you. And, um, <laughs> but um, but but my my effort is that I know that I can be judgmental, but that's why I put my I put a mental checklist for myself to stop me from being very judgmental. So on my checklist,、um, there are a few questions before I try to jump into the conclusion. The first question is that: Do I know this person? Um. A hundred percent, you know, being that I know where this person was born, how this person's childhoods look like, and how everything, you know, that I do, I know this person three hundred sixty, right? And and the second question is that have I made effort to try to understand this person? Have I made effort to put myself into this person's shoes? And The third part is that have I clarified? Have I shared my feedback with this person, right? And then if all these answers are nope, you know I don't know this person one hundred percent. I never made effort. I I didn't give this person a feedback or a chance to you know to maybe let them know what I think. Then who am I to judge this person? I'm not qualified, and at the same time. Even if the answer three, I have three yeses. You know, I've made effort to、um, to know this person. I feel like I know this person one hundred percent, and、um, and I clarify and I give feedback. Even if those things happened, and this person still makes me feel、um, uncomfortable or make me feel like、um, I can't deal with it anymore or everything, I can't control this person's behavior, but I can control. My actions. I can control my behavior. I can either keep my keep my keep my distance. I can try to control my actions. I can choose not to 
hurt this person in return, even if this person hurt me, right? Um, I can choose to stay true to my value. Um, yeah, so so that's my last message of my maybe uh, what I've learned since last September. I think it's so. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We come back in the beginning and we link to the first episode because you mentioned that to express. I mean, first, thank you for your comment on being non-judgmental, <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, <laughs> you you mentioned to be really to be. To be able to express kindness, the best way you need to be able to speak out and really be humble and understand the other person. And I think it's what you just described. I think it's interesting because we come back to kindness. And the third point you mentioned is your definition of, definition of kindness, which is to understand someone through the small checklist and then asking yourself, have I done that? If yes, no, I mean, then whatever. But I think that's interesting, uh, putting words on what kindness means to you. I wonder, like, concretely with the checklist, like, do you, do you, like, for example, if a question, like, some answers are no, like, for example, you met someone, that person is so annoying, but then you realize you said no to some of the questions, like, would you, would you like the next day or would you send a message like, Hey, let's have a chat to get to know more each other or let's have a chat. I have some feedback. Would you, would it, would it work? Does it work like this? Mm, yes. And nope. Um, so I think yes, in the sense that, you know, if this person keeps coming to my life and it's like not one-off interactions and I need to, there, there's some sort of interactions in the future and things needs to be more constructive. And yes, I think it's my job to reach out, to share my feeling and feedback. And, and no, in a sense that if it's one-off interactions and um, there's no, um, like there's no further engagement with this person, then I wouldn't tell all, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like have this very deep conversation with everyone I met and everyone frustrate me in my life. Um, it really depends on the future. If I will have more interactions with this person. Okay. Mm. And on the first point as well, to understand how you use uh, mental uh, in the first checklist, it's something that you go through like every day before going to sleep and you like answer yes, no, or is it a digital checklist? Like how does it, how do the, how does it work in your daily life? Um, it's in my head right now. Um, so I don't have like a digital journal of like everyday ticking boxes of, <laughs> of all these things. It's just in my head. And I think, um, I activate them the most whenever I feel um, when I feel sad or I feel like there are incidents during the day that I can't comprehend or can't digest. So I will activate them immediately with all this checklist. So it's like um, it's 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 like. It's, it's what we also talk about in the first episode, right? It's our uh, mental muscle that, um, you know, it's like sometimes when I face challenges, it's as if I need to lift 
uh, 10 kgs. Oh wait, 10 kgs is too too light for me now. Oh, you know what? Now I can do I can do deadlift of 55 kgs. So let's say 60 Whoa. kgs. Okay. <laughs> so let's say 60 kgs. I have to lift this up, right? Um. So I have to practice and have to constantly lift this muscle. Um. And in the way, and then when you know during the time when you know when it's it's heavier than my usual practice i have to focus and activate that part of mental muscle more right and but because i practice this uh regularly um you know my muscle i know the muscle can handle it and once i overcome that weight i know that i can lift even heavier the next time Uh, it's yeah, no, I'm asking because it's interesting. You know, some people, they have a journal, they use it, you know, at regular times. We've mentioned that Savvy, he has an Excel document. And yeah, you, it's more like, yeah, like, as you mentioned, mental muscle. So something happens and your mind knows, I mean, not knows, but you automatically think about all the checklists. And it's not super interesting. I've never heard of someone doing that before. <laughs> Can I just quickly uh, <laughs> mention why I feel like I want to laugh so so badly now? <laughs> you know, in the beginning in our conversation, the lighting of your background <laughs> is so different. So now, now it's like you know, you're in more the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the light switch is too far away. <laughs> <I cannot. laughs> Okay, I just uh, I want to conclude with two questions. So two new oh. questions for second rounds of <laughs> interviews. Um, I think the first one is you've met so many people um, from very grassroots locals. Oh, the light just appeared magically. Um, you met and a lot of government, a lot of singers, a lot like pretty much. I mean, you met a lot and a lot of people and you keep meeting a lot of people all the time. I just wonder, is there anyone? No, let's say uh, if we could have dinner with anyone, like right after this interview, who would that be? Mm, Is there any criteria of this person in the sense like anyone as a person that i want to catch up with or anyone as a person i didn't get a chance to interact much but i really want to know more about or anyone as the person i really miss from you know um from previous before lockdown so do you have any i would say criteria Whatever emerges from, from, yeah, whatever that you think about when you hear this question. Um, yeah, I think my answer will stay the same. I always answer with, I always answer this question with uh, my mom. Um, like really want to have dinner with her. And the reason is that I feel like um, what I'm learning and what I'm reflecting a lot um, will actually help her as well. Um, well, 
Um, well, I don't want to go back to that whole her her lifeline episode, um, but basically, um, we we had a lot of deep conversation, a lot of chat, a lot of um, helping her understand and see things from different perspective. Um, and and I think the reason why I want to have dinner with her is I want to share all this like checklist mental knowledge uh, with her and trying to help her understand her feeling because she's very very similar to me uh, the previous me you know like um, very emotional very insecure and um, and then she sometimes doesn't understand what actually um, our intention behind our emotions so I tried that last year during Chinese New Year, I, I only went back home for seven days, but I think it really helps her to see things from very, very different perspectives. So I want to give back to my mom um, to really empower her, you know, to let her know that she can take control of her feelings of things that happened around her. It's, yeah, it's funny how she's the one who empowered you the first place. <laughs> And now you, you came. You want to come back and yeah, give back everything that she gave you. Yeah, it reminds me of a very famous quote. <laughs> yes, go ahead. I want to say she listened to our first episode. Oh really? Yeah, like she doesn't understand a lot of English, but she tried. Like she tried to um, try to check with me if she understood correctly. Wow, so cool. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now it reminds me of the quote from Hita. <laughs> Youth need to be the change maker, but the bridges to their own community. So for me, it's like you bring back everything you've learned everywhere back to not only your mom. I'm sure if you go back to Xiamen, I mean, you'll go back to China in a few months, few weeks, in two months. Yeah, I think you'll meet everyone back. And yeah, I think you'll bridge the knowledge between uh, yeah everything you learn and back to Siamen. And yeah, my final, final question. I know that, I mean, I know, I think you've supported a lot of people, you've inspired a lot of people through movers, through everything. And um, yeah, I think everyone wants to know how they can support you. So how can people support oh. you? Uh, oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's unexpected. Um, okay. So, so flattered. Uh, how can they support me? Mm. Well, in a practical sense, uh, join the movers program, join Storius, and in a non I'm not sure if it's me or Linka. I guess it's Linka. So let me ask my turn to do some monologues. Um, so yeah, join the Movers program, like the Facebook page of Storyers, and back to you, <laughs> Linka, to continue. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, in yeah, join Movers, join Storyers, and uh, I think in daily life um really think about 
you know, how treat other people as the way that you wanted to be treated. And um, in a way that we all wanted to be understood, right? Uh, whenever we do something, whenever we say something, we wanted to be understood. And um, it's always so empowering and always so comfortable when you when you answer when you get when you when you have a conversation and your first sentence starts with i understand instead of but or instead of well i think um so start with your sentence with like yes i understand and so so no so it's it's very very tiny things but it actually gives people around you feel like you know you're making effort to understand them you are not become you are not judge other people so start with that and then um and then at the same time think about um i would say think about how you want to leave a message to people around you how do you want other people perceive you and and then a lot of time many times what we say what we and especially our actions gives a message and impression to people around us right so what is your message um and and yeah if you if if you can always let me know you know how um you know how 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 things, how, how, you know, movers or story is or things that happened around me are bringing some positive impact to you. I think that's the most amazing things to, to hear. So, um, you know, in this, in this, like, um, there, there's a booklet for us to reflect on, you know, how we spent our past one year. Uh, I don't remember the name of that booklet, but basically there's this question, you know, who do I, who are the three people that I impacted on the most for the past one year, a year, year compass. And um, so for me, I always do that reflections um, in, in, in my birthday. Uh, and I don't do it in a way like I assume that, oh, I impacted this person. Um, you know, usually on my birthday, I pay attention to how people wish me. Uh, if um, So um, the way that they wish me, okay, so how much they how much I did to other people to, um, you know, to, to either change their, their, um, their life or, you know, to give them a positive dose of their life. And I think that's, that's something that I always pay attention to during my, my birthday. And, um, and yeah, so I really look forward to learn, um, to learning about, you know, how your life has uh, been more positive because of, you know, things that I've created. Um, but really, for me, whenever I'm listening to uh, a speech or I'm listening to a sharing, I always relate the speaker and then ask myself, am I, do I want, am I, is it relatable? Do I want to be that kind of person? Uh, and is there a possibilities of my future that I will be as amazing and awesome as that? So it's not just about oh my god this um, person is so impressive it's amazing and the same goes to you know that i'm sharing right now um if if you just think that you know oh i'm doing um what i'm saying is impressive and it's amazing uh that doesn't work for me 
I would like to push you to think about. Um, can you change your behavior? Uh, you don't have to like follow me, right? But can you take actions? Can you change a little bit um, and and then start to reflect your life and start to think about how you can bring your message to people around you? So that's that's what I would see. You know uh, that I'm that that the, this sharing is is more successful. So it's not just about you know all oh, this speaker is impressive. It's really about how you will also um, take actions. Cool, I, everyone. I hope you noticed that when you <laughs> ask Minka how we can support her, she answers stuff which is not about her. <laughs> so it's really hashtag giver. <laughs> um, but yeah, remember May seventh, right? Yes, May seventh, yes. Minka's birthday. <laughs> Wish her very, very happy birthday. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Linka. I think you, as I will say my ending words, you will beat the record of the longest episode of my, which was <laughs> two hours and 10 minutes. So I think we are passing it right now. Okay. Um, Anyway, thank you so much. It's three hours in total with the first episode. Uh, yeah, you've seen all the crazy reactions on the chat. And yeah, I think it was so cool to be able to speak more about movers, about stories, about your mental model. I still wanted to, actually, I still had a lot of topics I wanted to share about, but maybe for part three, who knows? <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. right. I think we didn't talk about our um, like the exercise, uh, Muay Thai and um, workout, but we will definitely leave that for next round. And yeah, thank you so much for having me here. And, uh, you know, like Lifeline has become, um, you know, one of the uh, things that I do, like my weekly routine um, that I usually follow listen it's like it's like following a tv series that kind of routine right like every week there's a new episode released and you listen to what's going on and yeah for those of you who are listening i highly recommend to um recommend you to follow lifeline follow its instagram its linkedin its facebook page and also subscribe and listen to you know like um Give yourself a treat of positive message every week, right? So see that as your personal treat, that you treat yourself um, one hour, two hour with positive life story. And and then note down a few things that you've learned, you've take take away from the from each week of Lifeline episode. That helps me a lot. I actually learn so much from each of the speakers. Um, and and it's amazing to, for me, it's also amazing to know that there are so many very interesting people in other parts of the world. At the same time, it's also amazing to know that a lot of people think very, very similar to me. And um, it's very, really assuring to have that feeling of, like, oh, I'm not the only person who come up with this. And it's super cool that this we think alike. So do subscribe to Lifeline and listen to each of the episodes. I think that's the best <laughs> feedback I could get today. Um, <laughs> and yeah, start with the first episode, obviously, everyone. 
<laughs> and um, I think also just some congratulations for everyone. I think some stayed for the two hours. So congrats to you. You are the real heroes. Longer than the Moore's workshop. So yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks for all the emojis, the comments, and see you for another episode. Thank you. Happy Songkran. Happy Songkran. Happy New Year in Thailand and Cambodia. Congratulations for listening to the second part of the conversation with Linka. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please message her and tell her how amazing she is. To know more about Linka's journey, do not forget to listen or re-listen to the first episode of Lifeline with Linka. And as always, you can support Lifeline by sharing this episode with your friends, by subscribing or by writing a nice comment on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much and see you next time. Mm-hmm.